Hear again God's word for us this day. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers!' Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire." I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My young friends, you're welcome to stay or to go back to see your parents. All friends of all ages, let us pray together. Lord, as we begin this journey toward Bethlehem, toward the moment of rejoicing when our Savior will be born, open our hearts for the walk Open our ears for the voices speaking to us and open our eyes for our co-travelers in the faith. Amen. As I said in my letter to open this Advent season, you probably got it in your email yesterday or in the front of the hard copy version of our Advent devotional. By the time we get to this moment, the first Sunday in Advent, I am deeply ready for joy. Anyone else? Deeply ready. If you didn't raise your hand, let's talk. (laughs) Deeply ready for joy. We're tired but hopeful, weary of the grind of news, and eager to be taken out of ourselves into thoughts of something else some changed world, a hoped-for world that seems possible and closer when we get to Advent. A member of our church wrote me an email this week when he read that introduction I wrote to the Advent devotional. He said that he was surprised that our Advent theme is a voice in the wilderness. He didn't elaborate on why, but I assume it might be because wilderness doesn't immediately come to mind as a very joyful or Christmassy theme. But he wrote that he's glad, I'm going to preach on it, because in his words, the world is a wilderness. 
These are not normal times, he wrote, with wars, civil unrest, racial and religious prejudice, gun violence all over this country, homelessness, political conflicts, the COVID pandemic adding to our separation and isolation, and even our churches wandering and in conflict. Exactly. I did not put him up to writing that email. I didn't choose this theme to be a downer, right, as we all arrive at a moment when we long for joy. I chose it because it is the story of Advent. We're longing for joy because we walk in wilderness. And whether we've named this need or not, we long to hear a voice that will cry to us with the promise of something else. In four weeks, we will sing together, the weary world rejoices. We long for joy as the antidote to weariness and fear. So on this first leg of the journey to the birth of a Savior, we can start by being honest about wilderness. Some years ago, I was asked to teach a Bible class on Sunday mornings. So I did what I always do. I looked at the lectionary, and like this year, there was the prophet Isaiah, a voice speaking raw truth into wilderness, a voice that refuses to pretend that the world is fine, refuses to let God's people pretend that they are fine, but who prophesied that the world would be so changed that the mountains would quake the waters would boil, the wood would burn, and people would be transformed. So I set to work planning a class on the wilderness journeys of our lives. The first day, I came into Sunday school and opened with a reading and a question, the one I put here this morning too. What are our wildernesses? There were several, I mean several, seconds of silence enough for the room to feel awkward and for me to start rethinking my choice of wilderness as a Sunday school topic. It was that space that comes in a group setting, you all know the one, when people are deciding whether they will speak up, whether they will be vulnerable in a public space, and whether anyone else might be thinking what they are. So maybe if they wait long enough, someone else will say it and they won't have to. In most rooms, there's at least one person who just wants to break the ice, and that person will usually start with a comment that isn't personally risky. So when I said, what are the wildernesses of our lives, and waited through a long silence, that day, that comment was, you mean like getting lost in the woods? Sure, I said. Getting lost in the woods is a kind of wilderness experience. That gentleman exhaled audibly. He'd had a right answer and was off the hook for the rest of the class. But I didn't let it go. I said, what does it feel like to be lost in the woods? Silence again. But silence doesn't make me uncomfortable, so I just waited. And finally, a voice called out, afraid, being lost in the woods makes us feel afraid. Yes, 
I said, excited now because we'd turned the corner towards something real in this conversation. And where do our minds go in those moments? We go through a series of questions and decisions like, should we keep going or turn back? Where did we make a mistake? And can we get back and fix it? Is there anything around us that can give us our bearings, a blaze on a tree or a sign or a map? We immediately feel vulnerable and wonder what's ahead. And we long for something, someone to show us how to get out of the woods. Is there a light? Is there a trail? Something we can see or someone we can hear who can offer us a way forward. As so often happens, the class got brave then, and they started to name the wildernesses that are not so literal as getting lost on a hike, the ones that bring us those same emotions and fears. Hands went up, and we generated page after page on a flip chart of the wildernesses we know. Anxiety and depression, addiction, or dancing close to it and afraid we're there, wondering every morning whether we can change today. Pressures of school and work and success, trying to pretend that we know more than we do or are more put together than we are. Retirement and job loss were there, those moments that leave us without an obvious path to walk. Divorce, the loss of a spouse, or heaven knows, a child. The loneliness of doing life without the person with whom we planned to hike it all. Our co-travelers who could hold our hands when going was rough or we were afraid. And the people we took care of on the path whom we'd do anything to see again. This class named Seasons of Life when we don't feel close to God and we wonder when we might see or hear God again. And then there were the wildernesses that our church member put in that email this week. The ones that make parents wonder how the world will be when our kids have to carry all this. The broken world that makes our older friends look around and say, how did this happen? We walked forward in faith and never thought that after all this time, racism and violence would still be the air we breathe. That democracy that we've taken for granted could be vulnerable. That even the churches we love might struggle to stay together. That is where we start our Advent walk. From the wilderness, listening for the voices crying out to us. As Caroline and I were driving to school Friday morning, it was gray and raining and traffic was awful because if it rains, traffic is awful. So we decided to distract ourselves with a Spotify Christmas music shuffle in the car. Every single song that came on was a familiar and soothing voice. The crooners whose covers of holiday classics feel like a warm hug. It was a cavalcade of hits, as they say. Mel Torme in a duet with Judy Garland, Andy Williams, Dean Martin, Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole and the Andrews Sisters, good old Burl Ives. You all know you love Burl Ives. We have a car music democracy in our family. 
So when a new song comes on, we all get to vote. Keep or skip. Keep listening and finish the song or skip it and go to the next one. And with each of those old chestnuts, I voted to keep because I wanted to hear those voices singing warmth and comfort. Those are the voices I wanted. But for a transformative Advent journey, the voices of the prophets are the voices I need. Isaiah doesn't pretend that the world is right, and he will not let God's people pretend that they are all right. Isaiah can wait through our awkward silence while we come to the truth of our wilderness, and then he reaches right into it and tells us to get ready, get ready to be changed, get ready for the world to be changed. The images in this prophecy aren't Christmassy either, Isaiah, if you heard as Lucy read, calls out to God to intervene and disrupt. Open the heavens, come down, quake the earth, boil the waters, let the forces of chaos know that you're God and that you want a different world. This is not rote comfort. This is the prophet asking God to change everything everything, including us. As Isaiah speaks to them, God's people have strayed from their faith and then blamed God for their straying. They say they transgressed because God was silent and hidden from them. What an easy rationalization. We aren't sure what God was doing, so we assumed God was doing nothing and did what we wanted. So Isaiah leads them to confess. All of Isaiah is full of stunning imagery, but these few verses are gorgeously full. The prophet prays with God's people. We have all become like a filthy cloth. We fade like a leaf blown away by the wind, and no one calls on you, God, yet. Yet, that gorgeous, loaded, grace-filled, yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. A dirty cloth is useless for its intended purpose. A dried leaf is easily blown away and lost. But we, people of faith, can be clay in the hands of our potter God. We can be shaped into vessels that can hold something true and good and life-giving. We can be made sturdy and put to use, for we are the work of God's hands. We look into our lives and out at God's world and see wilderness, and if we want to be led out, we must be changed. John the Baptist says so too. He's out in the thick of the wilderness, wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey. He's part of the wild world and speaking to it. He looks different from others around him, and frankly, he doesn't care about that. I think he's dirty from being outside. He's wet from standing in the Jordan River. He gets down into the grit and the waters of life because that is where Christ will go. He's wild in his preaching, too, unfiltered, 
direct. He isn't worried about whether someone might take offense or start church shopping because of his words. He does not have time for the politeness of a modern advent because he is pointing people to the coming Lord and needs them to change now. He doesn't bother with, good morning, and we're so glad you chose to get out of your warm bed to spend this hour together. He stands at the waters of the Jordan, ready to baptize, ready to mark people as changed. And he doesn't call out, welcome, come on over. He calls out, you brood of vipers, bear fruit worthy of repentance. For one is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If John the Baptist walked in here this morning, we would be very uncomfortable. People would start looking surreptitiously at each other, deciding whether or not to call someone. John the Baptist is old school, quoting Isaiah and telling us that the one coming into our wilderness will change us forever. Holy Spirit and fire don't come to make us feel good. They come to make us right. Now I said that I didn't choose a wilderness theme for Advent to be a downer. So know that there is good news. While God has not promised us that there won't be wilderness, God has promised to be with us in it. Christ comes all the way into the dirty, lonely, anxious, addicted, broken, fearful, violent, and isolated places of our lives and joins us there, walks with us, loves us through seasons until we can see and hear him again. So, what are our wilderness places this Advent? Friends, we don't have to come here all polished up and pretending that the world is right or that we are. We can walk through these doors completely lost. We can listen for the voices calling out to us with good news. We can walk this journey of Advent with candles of hope and joy and peace and love to light our path. And we can pray to be changed. Holy coming one, by the work of your hand, lead us out of the wilderness. Transform this world and transform us. Amen.